Good morning, kings and priests. One of our ministry team, Amy, has a word for us. Actually, during the first song, um, the chorus is Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, you silence fear, and I had a prayer stir in my heart, but then after that, which sometimes I don't trust my own self, selfish prayers, because um, there's war going on in our home right now for our, the lives and the hearts of our children, so... I was reading in Joshua 10, it said, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. A few verses later, it happened as they fled before Israel and were on descent, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than from the children of Israel actually wielding the swords. And so it was when they brought out the kings, this is my favorite part, okay, um, it's getting exciting, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war, come here, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and they put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, do not be afraid or dismayed, be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all of your enemies against whom you fight. So I felt like that. And then um, as we were worshiping also in, I believe it's Second Chronicles 20, um, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. So the worshipers were leading the army. Those guys were going out there worshiping and praising Jesus and the guys with all the weapons were behind them little did they know the worshipers were the most powerful weapons at that time so he says give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever as they began to sing and praise the Lord sent ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated goes on into bloody graphics but oh, leave that out for the children but I just felt like in my heart there was a prayer of Lord Jesus, command darkness to flee and the enemy to be silenced as you tell us when and where to put our feet on the throats of our enemies. As we rip the swords from their hands, we wield those swords to fight for our breakthrough and our blessings. So I just, we've used the enemy's weapons against him. That's what I want to do. It's like what he meant for evil. God help us to use for good. Our fear and darkness becomes our strength and our victory through Jesus. May our worship continue to cause the darkness to tremble as we worship you, Almighty God, as we obey your word and pursue the enemy by increasing you in our lives. Banish the darkness, crush strongholds, and be our victorious king. So I felt like even there at the end when it was you know, as we worship, as the war rages on around us, as we continue to worship, as we're fighting for our children, for our marriages, for our churches, for our families, friends, whoever you're in a battle for. Every one of us are in a battle for something. And I feel like God is like, worship and seek me through the battle. And I will tell you, 
I will, I will handle the enemy, or you'll even get the fun, which I like, really knowing I put my, my foot on his neck. I really like that part. But that's my favorite part. But I could be a little, little spitfire. So anyway, God is warring for us as we're worshiping. So I just encourage you to like passionately cry out, even in the gunk of our lives, that he is warring for us. So that's it. Amen. Good word. We're done. See you guys. <laughs> you know, kind of going with that. Um, we had gotten this movie here a week and a half ago. Risen. Risen. Yeah. Risen. So good. It's a good movie. Biblic- biblically correct? Probably not. But one of the things that kind of makes a statement to me is when uh, Gaius, the tribune, Roman tribune, is sitting next to Jesus and he said, I don't even know what to ask. And Jesus tells him and he goes down the list of what he had told his boss that what he dreams for. What that shows me is that, you know, it's a movie, but Jesus does know us intimately. He knows our hopes. He knows our dreams. He knows our faults. And he doesn't care. He still loves us. You know, he knows what's wrong with us. You know, if we have sickness in our body. If you feel like your hopes and dreams are being held back, know that it's not the Lord. It's the battle that's going on. We have to declare. We have to speak. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we speak our declarations for our family, our marriages, our sicknesses, whatever's going on in our lives, we mix it with Jesus' word. We speak Jesus' word over our lives. We praise him, and he is fighting for us. It's like when you talked about when they were holding Moses' arms up. When we speak, it's like holding Moses' arms up. It is going out. The battle is raging. And thankfully, we're not the ones with the flaming swords that are you know, kicking butt and taking names. So speak, hear by the word of God and know that he knows you intimately. And if you have sickness or something in your body or your dream, you feel like your dreams or your wishes are being held back, um, during communion, why don't you come up and get prayed for and we will mix our faith with yours. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, how sweet, because we can't, we talked a little bit about that this morning, about um, when we do speak, when we do declare, um, sometimes we just, we feel like we're just going through the motions, but as we do speak and we do declare, those words are going in our ears, they're going into our heart, into our mind, and as we continue to put those words out, um, we begin to build that picture. And and once that picture becomes established in our heart, that picture becomes established in our head, and it's through, through that heart and head where Jesus is like, I can get involved now. And, um, we just see him, we see him at work. Um, just he does his thing we do our thing and our thing is just to rest in him and he does everything else 
So, and so during worship, one of the things that um, I did see um, was uh, in the story where the, uh, the, these elders, they bring that woman to Jesus and they say, she was caught in the very act of adultery, you know, the very pompous you know, very um, self-righteous, and you know they, um, you know they throw her down in front of the Lord, and you know Jesus is—he's such a cool guy. He just takes his time, and you know he finally addresses, and he says, "Well, you know, whoever, whoever's the, the without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone." And so, um, so eventually, you know, the the. the they realize, hey, you know, I, I probably know this gal myself. And so they eventually start, <laughs> they, you know, they eventually start walking away. And, and so here she was. She clearly was guilty. She clearly came under the law. She clearly could have been stoned to death. Uh, because the law said this is the penalty for your, for your actions, your behavior. But Jesus, who he, he only does what he sees the Father doing, you know, he only says what he hears the Father saying. And even though the law says she's guilty, she deserves death, the Father says, he's like, you know, I just love you. The Father says, I see that, you know, my mercy triumphs over, oh my goodness, is it triumphs over justice? Judgment, Judgment thank you. So, um, so know that, and this was even before Jesus went to the cross, you know, before he even um, went through all that torment and punishment and, you know, and he was, he wasn't deserving of that. But even before, before that, um, the father already had, you know, um, not imputed judgment to us. He had given her forgiveness before she even uh, needed it, before the penalty was even paid. So the heart of the father is, I love you. I have mercy for you. All I want is for you to come up here, just be face to face with me. And um, so, yeah, that's the father, father's heart for you. So um, when the world comes, when world, religion, your own, um, you know, like for me, I'll be like, oh, Lord, I haven't thought of you for the last hour. I'm so sorry. And he's like, baby, I'm right here. So um, just know that there's no penalty. He's right here, has a heart of love, mercy, and grace. And just, he's like, just come on up. So, all right. <laughs> Is there anyone else on the ministry team that would like to come up and testimony? Thank you, guys. Just give it another moment. If you're like, it's burning in my heart, I need to share it, then come up. Okay. That was good. Man, you guys are 
awesome. Sons and daughters of God are powerful people. We are, even in our weakest moments, we are the most powerful people on this planet because we have the spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in us. We have the mind of Christ. We have an identity that is real. The adoption papers have been sealed in blood, written in blood. It is finished. You are now a child of God. You are an adopted daughter, son of the most high God. And Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother and sister. It's wild. <clears throat> Got so much stuff that I'm like a little bit, I'm going to be strategic, so bear with me because we have communion and uh, we'll, it'll take about 10 minutes to have our communion time. We'll just worship. And what I feel like God gave me to focus on, to hone in on, will lead right into communion. It will be fitting. It'll be appropriate. Um, we did have some announcements, but I'm, I'm not going to have you play the Finger of God trailer again. This Friday night, Tammy and I are going to host at our house a, a viewing of the movie Finger of God Part 2. We'll have maybe a 10-minute time of worship, and then we'll watch the movie. So if you have questions, if you want to come, we, uh, I'm pretty free to just announce this to all of you because there's no one in the room that kind of scares me that I've never seen before. <laughs> if this was a church of 100 and there was a bunch of new people, I'd, well, we would probably have a room to watch that in, or we'd watch it here. So anyway, if you want more information, we'll give you that afterwards, so just come and chat with us. Um, go ahead and put the global legacy thing up, though. I just want to make sure we keep mentioning this. In February uh, 25th and 26th, that's Monday and Tuesday, all day, half, half the day on Monday and all day Tuesday. That's half the day, 1, 1 p.m. Oh, one. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. We're getting up to the same pace here, so you ready? <laughs> Let's move. Okay. That's okay. It is half day. It is. So Monday's a half day. They have some, something else in the morning happening. Oh, yeah. So let me know before you go online and register because there is a group discount. Um, as you guys know, Galen and Danette Gingrich from McMinnville, they are apostolic mom and dad to this church and to us. And they are the hosts in Oregon, and they will take care of all the registration. So I want to get a good number of people, and we'll, we'll work on the details. So just keep that in mind. Kind of jot that on your calendar, because it's going to be good. And if you've never heard Steve and Wendy Backlund before, or been exposed to a team of Bethel students um, who are ready to pull out their guns and prophesy over you, it's good. It is. It's good stuff. It's good stuff, Sharon. Awesome. So, um, boy, I'm like, should I just dive right in? I just feel like what you guys were saying and what you finished with sharing about how Jesus um, heard the Father and responded to his voice. And when he spoke to the woman caught in adultery, you know, woman, you're, no, one, no one condemns you, neither do I. Your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. Um, I just felt like, you know, it, he's, he is so good. And he, he tells us that he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. I have a 20-some-year-old supervisor at the station, and she's shared with me before um, how she gave her life to Jesus back in the old days. Uh, but you know, that was a long time ago, and it's, the relationship has become a long-distance relationship with the Lord. And I just felt on Christmas Eve, it might have been, uh, yeah, it was Christmas Eve. We were all working until like almost 8 o'clock. It was insane. 
I just was like, I'm going to go up to her and just, God, I knew he, God would just give me something simple. So I just, she was sitting at the desk and I just put my hand on her and I was like, I, I won't say her name because someone might listen to this, but I was like, Merry Christmas. Remember when you were in youth group and you said, and I don't know if, if this is exactly what happened, but do you remember when you said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I, I believe in you and I want you to come and be my Lord. And she nodded. And I said, he wants you to know that he has never left you. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And he's still with you now. Of course, you know, I did my job. I made her cry. <clears throat> I like to do that. I like to make people cry. No, no, I'm, I'm being silly. I, I, I knew that it was a good cry. It was Jesus touching her. And then I just, I ran off jumping out of the building there and skipping like an elf to go back home. So anyway, I just, that's just so important though. We need to know, we might walk away from him, but he has never left you. He is so on your life. Paul, Paul, Paul Manwari, no. Bill Johnson said, I think I threw this out on Facebook a while back. I think some of you, you know, thought that was a pretty good saying. If you believe that there's no place on earth that you can go to escape the presence of God, true, then you might as well imagine him with you. You know there's no place you can go. You can go to the bottom of the ocean, the deepest depths of hell, and there he will still see you. So anyway, let's go ahead and move on to some stuff here before I ramble out of time. Um, I just feel like it's 2019. We made it. We all made it in all of your different situations, all your workplaces, all your family things. We all made it. God is still on the throne. We are still set on worshiping him and, and fixing our eyes on him and running fast after him. And so with that, there's been a smorgasbord of, of stuff that I've been just like, I have my days. I told you guys a week or two ago, I was spoken over that I'm ambidextrous. Our, our friend down in McMinnville, he said, I just see you as ambidextrous. You just got to grab that. And I had my day where I, day or two, maybe a whole week of just, I just got to grab this and that. And then I had to go back and revisit things because I forgot. And I'll be delivering mail and I'm like, oh no, oh, this is not good. I have to stop and start speaking into my phone to take notes. And then, you know, and I, I can't do that on my job much then I have to run all day. So there's a whole bunch of good stuff. Speaking of Steve Backland, um, who's coming in in February for the Global Legacy Time, he's got a podcast. I've been listening to him for a long time, and he had five things that we should believe for for 2019. I could just preach that. I do have some of it, and I, I don't want to preach someone else's stuff, but I have no problem when I feel God is highlighting something to Take the stuff that you or, or I find and we'll bring it out and present it to all of us and we get to choose for ourselves, is this what we want to hold on to? Is this what we want to grab hold of into this next season? So I have some of that, but I'm just going to start out. Let's go ahead and put the first slide up there. Um, Bethel, I don't know if they even created this, but it's good. I like it. It's like four of their core values of being a revivalist. If, and being a revivalist, that just means you want to be one of those Christians that you got saved, 
You got on fire for Jesus and you want to burn until the end. You don't want to burn out before the end. You want to blaze into glory and you want your life to be so close to his face that the veil is so thin that when you do see him, when you do take your last breath, it's going to be like, it's you. Sorry, I get all messed up. I messed myself up and I don't mean to do that. Sorry. Four cornerstones of revival. Please, please get this in your blood. Get it in your DNA. God is good. He is so good. I never, I didn't begin believing that. I believe that there's still judgment and wrath if you mess up too much. I knew that Jesus paid the final price on the cross, but I still struggled with, well, how do you deal with sin between now and then? Jesus' blood covers us. He declares us something that we're in a process of becoming. So how, you know, Hebrew says, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. How does that work? How did, how did he already make you perfect forever and though you're at, at the moment being made holy? And we know that word sanctification. We are in the process of sanctification. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and he's cleaning you. But God already sees the finished work of Christ over us. So he's good. We don't have to imagine him angry at us because he took all of the wrath that we deserved and he put it on Jesus. They already agreed that this was the plan, that you would go to the cross, you would take their sin, the weight of all of their sins, you would be crushed, despised, and punished, and your punishment will bring them peace. And then I'll release the Holy Spirit who's going to come and live inside of them and transform them and make them like Jesus. Wow. That gives me goosebumps just saying that. So he's good. We don't need to imagine the wrath on us anymore. If you're going to waste your imagination on something, you need to line up your imagination with God's thoughts because he has good thoughts. And I, I know I have a slide there. I'm not going to ask you to dive down to it unless you see it quickly and easily, but it's from Joshua. He says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. It's way down at the bottom. Don't worry about it. It's just in Joshua. God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. Thoughts. He's thinking hope, future. He says, this is my son. My, I know how I feel about my kids and my family members. I know how I feel about you guys. I want hope and future. I don't want disappointment and struggle and endless battle that ends in death or something. So I know if I don't want that, I know that he wants something even better because he's a good God, he's a good father. So I'm going to get waste so much time on just talking about God's goodness, although that wouldn't be a waste. But we won't get to the things that we need to get to. So God is good. Nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. We're going to hone in on that in just a minute. Jesus' blood paid it all. Whatever you've seen in this Christian experience, in other ministries and outpourings and healings, all of that stuff, people touching people and they fall down, people having miracles happen in their marriages or their family members' reconciliations, all that stuff is because Jesus paid for it. Jesus on the cross cracked open an inheritance, a legacy. That's why Legacy City Church. He, he gave us an inheritance, a legacy, 
that is vast beyond measure. Ephesians 1 says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has been given to us, that given, we have been given access to in Christ Jesus. I don't even know what all that is, but there's probably a lot there. So his blood paid it all. If you need healing, his blood already paid for it. If you need freedom from a, d- a demon or something, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Naira, if you need freedom, if, okay, if the demons attack you, yeah, we all get attacked. There's freedom. We can plead the blood of Jesus. We can plead our identity in Christ. We can command him, take our authority. As John 1, you guys know my favorite verse this last year, John 1, 12 says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave exousia, or exousia, however you say it, authority, regal, royal authority, to become the children of God. If you have royal authority, then you get to tell that booger, the devil, I I'm a royal son or daughter of God, and you have no authority anymore. So whatever you're trying to do is illegal. Go. Get out of here. Sorry, just getting a little passionate. So, and last but not least, everyone is significant. Nora, Oscar, the littlest, probably almost the youngest one in the room, except for your little ones. No one is insignificant. Everyone is significant. There's no junior Holy Spirit. There's not one of us that God doesn't have a unique identity, a unique fingerprint, a calling, a gifting. Only the gifts that God gives you work through you the way you can do them. No one else could do it like you. No one else can say it like you say it. So those are cornerstones. Those are like the bedrock of who God wants us, I believe, God wants us to become, to get it in our blood, to get it in our DNA. Let's see. So God is good. There's a joy center in our brains that responds to the countenance of our caregivers. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Babies smile when you smile in their little face. Oh, boo-boo, and they, they, they smile. We get to enjoy. When you believe the goodness of God over you, it's going to change you. If you think you're under wrath, you're going to behave like you're under wrath. You're going to be unhappy. Nothing is impossible. Okay, that was that second point. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is, is impossible. Either disappointment or bad theology will kill your appetite for the supernatural, for the impossibilities made possible. So I'll, I'll repeat it. I don't have that in a note for you guys to read. But either disappointment... We can talk about that later. Areas of disappointment. If you're disappointed in God, if you're disappointed in yourself, if you're disappointed in others, if you're disappointed in your circumstances, that disappointment, if you don't deal with it, can really change to ugly things. It can become bitterness. It can become envy, jealousy, rage, anger, death. It just is like poison that slowly contaminates your whole body. We have to learn how to deal with our disappointments. This is no condemnation. We all have disappointments. People have come here and then have left because God is leading them somewhere else. I have to deal with my own personal thoughts. I have to deal with my disappointments. And then I realize, oh, that's right. You're going to build your church. I don't want someone to stay who doesn't want to be here anyway. So how do I deal with my emotion? Take it to him. 
I ask him about it. I ask him his perspective. And he's faithful. He will tell us. He will tell you. We are designed by nature to express the nature of God towards the impossible. I'll repeat that. You and I as Christians, we are designed by nature, by God's design. We are designed to express his nature, heaven's perspective, heaven's nature, the nature of our God, the glory of God, his, his character, his, his ways. We were designed to express him into impossible situations because with him, nothing is impossible. And he has the answer for everything. He is the brilliant one. Okay, so we're going to hang out, hang out around the impossibility thing. And I'll try to watch the time here. I'll try to keep this down to about 10 minutes. I'm laughing. Luke 1.37. Hope you guys are doing okay. Just start yawning a lot if you're like, let's have communion. You're really going, boring us here. So... Did I have it on here? No, I didn't. Um, Luke 1, 26 through 37. You guys know the story of Mary. It's Christmas. If you didn't go to church Christmas Eve and hear the message or read it once, you know, you probably still know it. You know, Mary gets the angel. Angel Gabriel comes and, surprise, you, oh, highly favored one. (laughs) He tells her she's going to be the one chosen by God to carry the son of God. He will be called the son of the most high. How is this going to happen? I'm just a young girl. I'm just a virgin. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the most high is going to overshadow you and that baby is going to be God in the flesh. Emmanuel. Deity made flesh. The most hard to wrap your mind around thing that we could probably ever think about. And her response is, Go ahead and keep that up there, Isabel. Did you purposely take it off or did it just disappear on its own? Okay. Her response is, may it be unto me as you have said, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, here we go. I'm gonna gonna steal someone else's teaching because it was so good. That scripture, no thing will be impossible with God. If you've never looked at Greek words before, I would encourage you, write down this website, the Blue Letter Bible. Just Google, Blue Letter Bible. It is a tool that people used to pay hundreds of dollars for to, to put on their computer in their church office. And now, all of us normal saints don't have to be a pastor to have Bible software. You can just go to blueletterbible.com and look up any verse in the Bible, click on it, click on the tools, and it will break down the Hebrew or the Greek. And you can click on the Hebrew-Greek word, and it will tell you exactly what its original meaning is. That word, no thing, let's go to the next slide, Isabel. For with God, no thing, not a single rhema, not a single rhema. I know the Smiths are like, what? No, (laughs) because they are word declaration people from their history, and they know what rhema is. Do you guys know what rhema is? Logos and rhema. There's two words in the Greek for for translated into word, usually translated into word. 
Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the logos. Typically, when we think of logos, we think of the written word, the Bible. When we think of rhema words, they are those Holy Spirit breathed or Holy Spirit reminders or when God brings a scripture to your mind for now. Like, God, how do I deal with this situation? And pop, the scripture comes into your head. You are more than a conqueror through faith in Christ Jesus. And you're like, ah, I am more than a conqueror through faith in Christ Jesus. That is the written word becoming a rhema word because the spirit of God is speaking it to you. When someone gives you a prophetic word, when Tammy and I stood in Galen's church and that girl from Bethel said, I hear God saying, you are here for clarity, direction, and you are to go plant that church. That was a rhema word. That's not a written in the word Bible word, but that was something that only God knew was in our hearts and it was brought out in the open and confirmed through a prophetess. prophetess. So that scripture, for with God, no thing, nothing, not a single freshly spoken rhema word of God will be impossible. And that word impossible means it comes, impossible means there's no strength or power or ability. But with God, it is not impossible. It comes with strength, power, and ability. In other words, every word God speaks, every promise he speaks to you comes packed with a promise and a guarantee that there's power and ability with it. So let's go ahead and put that next one because I think that goes with it. Every promise or word God gives us comes with its own supernatural ability to perform it. The power to grow an oak tree is contained within the acorn. Okay, we're the alcorns, we like acorns. It was a good quote though. Bill Johnson said that. But it's true. You take an apple seed, there's an orchard inside of that thing. You take an acorn, there is a mighty oak tree within that little, that nut. You plant that thing in the ground, it has everything it needs to become that tree. Every freshly spoken word of God, every promise in the Bible that God gives you and me has authority and power to accomplish it. You guys know those old scriptures. Not a one word falls to the ground that God speaks. When God releases a word, it doesn't fall to the ground and, and return to him void. His words, his word and words are powerful. So no rain, my God is looking. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I got to read some notes here because it's going to help me get this moving quicker. So God is looking for our surrender, our yieldedness, our absolute surrender. All he wants in our response to his promises is our absolute yieldedness and surrender. Because when we say yes to him, when we say yes to his promises, he marks those yeses. He marks the time you say, according to your word, so be it. Let it be so, according to your word, as Mary responded pro properly in that moment. With God, nothing is impossible. Your word comes with power to perform it. So shall it be. Every promise in Christ Jesus is yes and amen. Therefore, through him, we say amen. We put, we put our agreement. We say when heaven speaks into our circumstances, into earth, we hear it and we say yes and amen. We agree with what's in heaven and we have been given the privilege to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth by our agreement by our declarations, 
and our agreement. So it's, it is, it's words that we speak, but it's, it's even more than the words. It's our authority and our yes and agreement with heaven. Like you can say something but not mean it, right? I think Smith's probably worked through this in your years of the name it, claim it crowd. The blab it, grab it. Don't start calling them blab it, blabber grabbers or something like that because they might be offended by that. No, no. I really appreciate that background because I used to be kind of opposed to that. I thought it was treating God like a vending machine or something. I had no idea of the goodness of God and I knew I should have known better that it really isn't about just getting what you want from God. It's not like you go, God, I declare you're going to give me a Rolls Royce. Like I'd want one for some reason because they're ugly, but what kind of car, Ethan, would I just speak out if I really wanted it? A Lamborghini. (laughs) So, yes. You know, there's other scriptures too, and you can do the blue letter Bible thing, but that Romans 10 verse that says, faith comes through hearing. Faith comes through hearing. Hearing through, the, hearing through the word, the rhema, word of Christ. When you and I are in relationship with Jesus, when we are surrendered and yielded to him, and we are, having, we are seeking after intimacy, like that song, show me your face, Lord. Show me your face. I can make it to the end if I can just see your face. As we, as we seek intimacy, as we seek his face, he gives us the promise that we have the mind of Christ, that we will hear his voice. He, he will teach us how to discern his voice. Uh, Donna De Silva, from, uh, she oversees Sozo at Bethel, said there are three voices in your head at all times. God's, yours, and the devil. You get to figure out who's who. Just so you know, I just thought I'd throw that one out there for free. But yeah, Romans 10 and Ephesians 6, when we talk about the armor of God. And take up the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is the Rhema Word of God. Jesus knew exactly how to wield the sword of the Rhema Word when he was faced with the tempter in the desert. He didn't think his way out of the wilderness, he declared the truth man will not live by bread alone. Anyway, so, sorry. Felt intense. Start marching around the room or something. Is that okay? You got to... Not yet. I don't mean to take over. This is my intercessor, if you guys didn't realize why I just ramble sometimes, and she's like, mm-hmm. she's praying. I am. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to read over every one of Steve Backlund's things in detail, but for 2019, the things that he encourages us to believe in, we are, and we're going to do a quick look. I'm just going to read the titles. I'm not going to read all the information. You ready? So number one, he would appreciate this, that we're plagiarizing. Should be the next things down. Yes, reaffirm our basic beliefs. We need to reaffirm our basic beliefs. You can kind of glance at some of that. Hold fast to the confession of your hope. His divine power has given us everything we need. All of those things that most of us have gotten in our DNA over there. It's basic Christian truths. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the word of God. Worship is what you've been called to. This is how we fight our battles as we 
had put before us this morning, those walls are going to come down. And we are partakers in the divine nature, according to Second Peter. Those are basic truths. We can go back. If you want to take a snapshot or something, or you can get the scripture references, there's probably a hundred more scripture verses that I could have put up. I just got a handful. So the next one, so we should reaffirm our basic beliefs, and then we should believe his specific promises for us. If you've received prophetic words that you're still holding on to, that you've allowed to be put off in the dust, I would encourage you to bring those back out. I keep that before us as a church, as a church plant that is that is going through different types of growth, I keep that word before us. When we have days where we're a smaller crowd, I keep that word that he said, go plant that church. He said that this would be a a center for inner transformation, that this would be a a place where there are a, a team of many leaders, powerful pillars in the community, those are those promises that I hold on to, that we hold on to, and that I actually have all of us make declarations over sometimes on a Sunday. We need to keep those things before us. Um, let's go on to the next one. So specific promises. We need to believe that the spirit realm is more real than the natural realm. How often do we forget because of circumstances, because of the stuff that's right in front of us, do we forget that there is a spiritual realm that there is a demonic realm that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and there is an angelic realm, those messengers that are flames of fire and winds come to minister to those of us who inherit salvation. So we have angelic reinforcement, but how often do we forget about that? As I like what Bill said, where is it? Yeah, you and I will reflect the nature of the world we're most aware of. I know, it's like one of those Bill things. Bill says something and you're just like, whoa, that was deep. But it's so true. You and I will reflect the nature of the world that we're most aware of. The more Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, Fix your, your minds, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated. Set your hearts on things above. That is where we are called. We are called to fix our eyes on Jesus. Set our attention on heavenly things. Fill our minds with things that are from heaven, things that are noble, pure, praiseworthy, while we live in this earth. So as we become more like the heavenly people that we are called and designed to become, we will influence the earth around us. We will influence the situations. We will release the kingdom as we become aware of the things that are broken around us and the authority we have to bring something of God's kingdom into that situation. Oh boy, we're running out of time here. Believe that you are significant. Let's go. We already talked about that earlier. No one else is like you. you you got to not mark yourself off the list and say, well, I don't preach or, well, I'm not comfortable witnessing to people. Only you can do the things that God has put in you in your way, through your, your style, your voice. And he has given you a gift and empowered you. And by the way, the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. If you think that you might have done something to lose your gift, he does not take his gifts away. And the anointing that you have received from him remains. 
you might have disengaged from your gift and your anointing, it has not left and God does not take it away. He doesn't do that. He just is waiting for us. And like Romans 8 says, all creation waits for the sons, the daughters of God to be made manifest in the earth. Everyone around, including God, is just waiting for Jesus to be expressed through us. Oh, and last but not least, believe that this is the year of breakthrough for strong, strong. This is the year. I'm just going to declare it now. This is the year of breakthrough for long-standing issues, period. And I could look at every person in this room and know that we all have endured long-standing issues. So none of you, well, I don't know you two, but maybe we'll find something out. So, do you have issues? No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. We all have gone through long-standing issues, okay? This is the year. We need to put our foot on the neck of the enemy. We can choose to remain hopeless and never be disappointed because disappointment kind of calls us to that place of just throwing in, just like, screw it. Don't want to do this anymore. Just want to unplug. Forget it. I'm going to go get drunk. Watch a movie I shouldn't watch. Watch Netflix. <laughs> Find out what Scott and Tammy are watching. Or we can choose to raise our hope levels and have occasional disappointment. See, raising your hope level causes things around you to change. I love it when Steve Backlund said, he always ends his podcast with us. He's preached this over and over. We've been around him when he's spoken this at conferences. He's gonna, I know he's going to say it again in February, probably many times. But there are no hopeless situations. There are no hopeless situations. You have permission to be hopeless about anything that God is hopeless about. Fair? If God is hopeless about something, you have permission to as well. But there are no hopeless situations. There's only hopeless people. So when people who are hopeless begin to get hope, when they're wandering season in Tacoma, trying to figure out why I've got this burning desire to plant a church, but I can't find my tribe, and I've wasted, felt like, five years of bouncing from a church to a church to a church, and then back to the one again, trying to figure out what in the world are we supposed to do? I need a prophetic word or something. You position yourself to receive what you need. You go to him. You, you persist. I am ornery. I am persistent. I know my kids struggled with that wandering around and going to different youth groups, and I kind of like it. And I'm like, sorry, guys, this place is not the one. But I'm persistent. We're persistent. And we positioned ourselves to get into that place where we began to get our hope renewed. That's why we used to call ourselves Hope Renewal Ministries. Because, anyway, that's a long story. Okay. Long-awaited breakthroughs and promises are coming. I'm just going to say it because I believe it. I have hope and I have trust that the God that we live for, the God that lives in us, the God that is at work, as we talked about and got lost in Romans 8 last week, he's working all of our situations out for our good. 
the good, the bad, the ugly. The one who is weaving together everything, all of the junk, all of the good things, he's working it all out for your good and my good. That God, he is the God of our breakthrough. I have to believe that that's his desire, that's his will and heart, is to give you and me the breakthroughs we need to restore our hope, to make a miracle out of a mess. I don't know why I was looking up there still. So I believe our long-awaited breakthroughs and the promises of God, they're coming. That stuff that's in the heavenly realm that is frozen is thawing. We need to stay caught up in the dance. We need to stay in that whirl and the dance and keep our focus on Jesus and his promises and his faithfulness to complete those things that he's spoken The things that hold us back are areas of disappointment, believing lies, and unforgiveness. Which leads us to our time of communion in a minute. See, he wants to take our broken places. And he wants to bring life. He wants to to kiss you because he loves his daughters. There's more women in this church than men, so maybe it's the estrogen in the room that makes me do this. <laughs> no, help me. <laughs> he wants to kiss his daughters. He wants to say, my daughter, I am your strength and your song. I have victory for you. I have promises that I am set on fulfilling and walking you through to see the fulfillment. I am the God of miracles. I am the God of breakthroughs. I am the healer. I am the restorer. Behold, I take broken things. I make all things new. He wants us healthy. He wants us healed. He wants all of us to walk in wholeness. I'm not going to read all of this, but you guys know the story. When Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I got to forgive? Because this is oftentimes what it comes down to. I'm not saying God sins against us because God cannot sin. And he doesn't need our forgiveness. But you might be bitter or disappointed in God. You might have taken your perspective and blamed him. He knows and he's not freaked out about it. Because he sees the truth and he wants to show you the truth. Sometimes you got to forgive yourself. Sometimes you got to forgive that other person that's in your life, or maybe they're not even in your life. So I think I should just read it. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and let him go. Do you guys know who the, the master is in the story? 
Who's the one that forgives the debt and lets you go? Okay. Who's the servant that begs for, please don't make me pay my debt? Okay, that's you, that's me. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, just a smaller, small amount compared to the gold that he owed and was forgiven. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. He refused. He went off and had the man thrown in prison and he could until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master and everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This, we don't like to read this part, guys. I know, because I'm one of them. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So, you know, you might think that it doesn't seem fair because we have our reasons for what we feel. We have our, there, there something happened that was real and legitimate for my pain, for my chance to hold unforgiveness towards somebody. There, there's a legitimate thing. And it might seem unfair that God would lock you in a prison. But that is sometimes what, it, what happens you feel stuck. You feel like you can't hear God anymore. You feel like, I can't move forward. I, I want to, to push forward, but I, I'm just trapped. Un, unforgiveness is like a jail cell. And when you begin to forgive, the lock breaks. Donna Da Silva, the Sozo ministry head, said, you will often hear a click when people begin to forgive. We're going to have communion in a second here. Man, this is, are you guys okay? This is, I feel like really bad when I look at the clock right now. This is what God does. He always trades up. He takes your junk and he gives you treasure. He takes your shame and he gives you a double portion. I think I do have a slide for that part, Isabel. Well, we're just we're going to put that up there, and this is what we're going to have communion time revolving around. Do you need some help? Should be close to where I left off there. The spirit of the sovereign Lord. There we go. So this is these are the trades up. These are the upgrades, as Graham Cook likes to say. Are you ready for an upgrade? Because if you're in Christ, he has an upgrade for every negative thing you're dealing with. Good news to the poor. He's going to bind up the brokenhearted. Freedom for captives. Release from darkness for the prisoners. Comfort for all who mourn. A crown of beauty 
for ashes. Oil of gladness instead of mourning. Garments of praise instead of despair. You will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then you will rebuild. You will rebuild. I will rebuild the ruins and restore the devastated places. Renew ruined cities. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. Instead of shame, a double portion. That's how good he is. Get that shame off, my kids, he says. I'm going to pour a double portion all over you. I want to rock your world with my goodness and my presence. I'm going to dump the oil of joy all over you. I'm going to put garments of praise. You're going to dance. You're going to sing. I'm going to put a crown, a royal crown, to replace the ashes and the sorrow. A double portion, an everlasting joy. There's only one thing that can rob you of your joy in this world, and that's the liar, if you believe his lie. Why don't we stand up? This is what we're going to do. I'm done with all, everything, except for instructions, how we're going to do this. We're going to finish this off. I won't come back up and pray any more prayers or anything. What we're going to do is we're going to respond today to whatever you feel God was saying to you. If it's forgiveness, then I would like you guys, so this this is the, the flow. We're going to start the worship. You come up and you grab your, your cup and your wafer. And I'd like you just to take it with you and have some time with the Lord. If it is forgiveness for someone, hold those elements before the Lord. Remind yourself and covenant with him that you paid the price for me to have complete forgiveness. You let me off the hook. I choose to forgive and put their names on your lips. Don't worry, the music will be going. You can speak it out or just whisper it. If it's a broken situation, hold it before the Lord and just declare, I know you paid for this to be made whole. I'm holding fast to you. However you want to do it, take your time. It's about 10 minutes total of worship. Take your time. If you would like prayer, I've asked the Smiths if they would just stand up here with Tammy and I while everyone's getting their stuff. If you want prayer while you take communion, we won't try to pray out loud because it'll be too hard to hear. We just want to just, we want to impart. Just, we just want to release his presence and agree with you what you're contending for. So if you want that, you just stand up here, hold your elements. We'll just pray for you as soon as you take your communion. We'll just like bless you and you can go go back to your seat or, or wander around, whatever you want to do. And then when we're all done.